What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Eric and Jeff of the band Jerome's Dream over Zoom video. Both Eric and Jeff were born and raised in Connecticut. They talk about how they got into music. We discuss the early, early days of Jerome's Dream, how the two of them met, how they started to play music together, really the origin story of the band. They tell us about the breakup of the band, then reuniting about 17 years later. They stopped the band in 2001, got back together around 2018. They talked about putting out the, the LP album. We hear about the lineup change and all about the brand new album, which is called The Gray In Between. You can watch our interview with Eric and Jeff on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Jerome's Dream. Well, thank um, you, Eric and Jeff, for doing this. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Um, this is a podcast about the both of you and uh, your journey with the band. And uh, we'll talk about the album coming out. Sure. Sounds good to me. Where are you? Uh, where are you recording from? Where are you based? I'm in Nashville. Um, Nashville. Moved, How's yeah, it been out there? Here. It's been great. We moved here a couple of years ago. Um, I'm originally from San Diego and I spent some time in San Francisco. Oh, okay. well. cool. Nice. But yeah, nice. We, my family and I, we moved to Nashville like in the very beginning of 2021. Okay. Yeah. Got to get out of California during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we got kids and we needed more space and the whole totally. thing. So totally. <laughs> it all yeah. kind of came together, but uh, we love it out here. It's great. It's definitely cool. different from California for sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I have an old friend of mine who, um, who's Nashville based and uh, yeah, it's a cool vibe out there. I haven't been out there much, but um, it definitely, definitely has its own, cool vibe it's also really beautiful but yeah. yeah um are we playing nashville we are cool yeah, yeah. you'll have to come out maybe yeah if you're around adam no be i fun. will be let me see i saw you well you guys are playing the fest which i thought was rad uh but i did see your tour um i can't remember i don't remember either but it's oh yeah may then may. may yeah yeah, yeah okay. it's fast approaching very end yeah yeah we're very like a month very out. cool yeah. <laughs> that's awesome jeff, it looks like you're jeff it looks like you're about to start rapping or something like you're about to like bust out a, a line or two. <laughs> uh, well, you're the one with the beanie, so it's true. But at least I have a mic stand at least. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I am not professional at all. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, anyway, I love it. Um, yeah. Cool. So I guess I always start off. Were you guys both the band? What originally started in Connecticut? Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah. Are we, you um, both originally from there? Both originally from Connecticut. We grew up there. That's kind of where it all started. Um, you know, this band originally started when we were, it's crazy to say now, but when we were kids, you know, I think mm -hmm. I was like 19. Jeff, you're, you know, around the same age. I mean, we're, we're, we're around the same age, a couple of years apart, but um, yeah, we, we, we grew up in Connecticut and um, the mid to late nineties was kind of an interesting time for punk, for hardcore and for, you know, a young band to try and, make their own path you know yeah. it's kind of an interesting time 
So, but yeah, we, we, we started this band in 97, went till 2001. And then we had this huge gap and then we decided to resurrect it in 2017, 2018. And now we're like more pedal to the metal than we've ever been. So it's kind of a, a weird timeline for this band, but um, yeah, really happy to be back at it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I listened to the the record you put out, I think it was 2019, kind of after you announced you're, you know, guys are doing this again. Right. And it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't, it's like seamless. It doesn't feel like that you guys <laughs> have really, you know, stopped doing it. And then to come like what, that's 17 years, 18 years yeah. later and put yeah. an album out that it, I was shocked just how, how seamless it, it ran from your old songs. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. It was, it was, it was more daunting behind closed doors to create that record after being away from it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we basically wrote and recorded that record when we were th- three different places in the country. You know, I was in LA at the time, Jeff was in SF and our friend, Nick, who's no longer playing with us, but Nick, uh, was still in Connecticut still is, I think we don't know where he is, but, um, <laughs> He's probably okay, but either way, um, yeah, it was just a weird time and very ambitious thing to take on. And what we realized when we were making that record upon our return was it it required more. um, It's like when we're we're making this music, uh, it requires a very particular headspace and frame of mind. And it requires us to tap into a very particular place. Um, and so to kind of just just go full throttle with like no like no oil at all, basically, like after 17, 18 years of not being in a room together, not being in this frame of mind, it was kind of an interesting process to arrive to what we did with the LP we made in 2019. But in retrospect, looking back on it, it it's almost like that was a sort of like dress rehearsal for where we're at now. It's almost like, um, while I think it's really nice that you're saying it, it feels seamless for us, it, it's almost like we had to dust everything off um, after not playing for so long, uh, after not playing live for so long. And um, yeah, so we, we, we were really grateful for having had that opportunity to make that record and to do so much touring afterwards. And I think that's what really helped us get back to where we are was the amount of touring we did leading up to the pandemic. Mm. So if you, you know, as you can imagine, we're, we're ready to get back to it this yeah, month you know, or, or next month uh, yeah. it's fast approaching. So yeah. I yeah. Felt like, and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Jeff, I um, cut you off. No, no, no worries. Um, so I felt like, yeah, it, it took, playing live for us to really um really feel like we'd finally come back to where we needed to be to do what we needed to do um i i didn't feel fully fully in in it until until we started rehearsing for all our touring in 2019 so oh interesting so you wrote the record before the live shows obviously yeah wow yeah, and yeah, I, I mean, didn't mean it's seamless in the way like it sounds like you wrote the same record. I just meant like it doesn't. Oh no, totally. I, I feel like it. You guys have you brought the same like it, the 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 
it gelled the same way as like it, you were like you had never stopped playing. I guess it was my yeah, experience. absolutely. <laughs> I was no, totally. Like it sounded like the same record you guys. No, put no, out before. Not, not at all. It, it wasn't received that way at all. Okay. It, it, it's it's it it just it just prompted the thought of like looking back at it and then seeing how how much has changed since since then. It almost feels like a lifetime ago, even though it was just a few years ago. But I think, you know, having having taken on that as like a return and to try and make this record after not being a band for so long. Um, and then suddenly having a full tour schedule the, the rest of the year. Um, and basically we, you know, having a schedule into 2020, it, it was, it was just an interesting time. Cause we, we basically got thrown back into it so hard because, because our touring schedule um, following the release of that record was like, I mean, it, it was a dream come true because we toured with so many great bands. You know, we did tours with, with Touche More, Soul Glow, uh, Loma Prieta, um, Gouge Away, Daughters, uh, a, 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 like Vane, uh, just a ton of really great bands. And um, we totally got the rug pulled out from under us, just like every other touring band when the pandemic hit. And we were scheduled to return to Europe. And ironically, we were scheduled to play Russia for the first time. And obviously that ship has sailed. Oh, um, wow. So it was like, it's, it's, it's weird to look back on that. Cause now it's like a lifetime ago. Uh, there's a, there's a war between that. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that happened be- between then and now. Mm-hmm. So where we're at now, it's kind of like this new chapter that we're so grateful to arrive at, you know, it's like, we, we, we made this new record. Um, our friend, Sean, who is also in Loma Prieta joined the band during the pandemic. I had moved to San Francisco from LA. So I'm now in proximity to Jeff and Sean. It it was a real shift, you know? And um, it was just like, everything just kind of aligned. I mean, the pandemic kind of derailed everybody. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of that, we 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 rallied and and really tried to make things kind of merge into each other again. So that's, I think, what happened when I moved here. We were able to kind of recollect ourselves and regroup and be like, okay, what's what's next? What are we going to do? How are we going to operate? Where are we going to like find the spark to kind of get back into some kind of rhythm or routine of creativity? Because I don't know about you, but I personally got very like emotionally derailed and, and the, the kind of being in this unknown territory, the kind of ambiguity of not knowing where the world was going. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel compelled to do anything creatively. I just was just kind of sitting every day, like wondering what the next day was going to bring as far as like, you know, what, what all the experts were reporting on, what this virus was, where it came from, how it's affecting the entire world is just like, what the fuck? You know, all I want to do is like play music with my friends and go outside without having to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And finally, after how many years now? Two, three, three, four <laughs> three years, years. Like it's almost insane. half a almost half a yeah. decade. Like now it kind of feels like we can do that, you know, somewhat yeah. safely. I know it is wild to think it was like when it happened. It's it's wild to think that the whole entire world was shut down. It wasn't like a yeah. localized thing or a, you know yeah. just the, the United States like, or whatever. It's like like humanity as we know it shifted, yeah. you know, together. Yeah, and I mean, I interviewed somebody earlier this morning that was in Romania, and they were telling me this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 
they're in across the world and like yeah during the pandemic you know like it's like wait it's just so bizarre to like right, like this common thing this common everyone, denominator between that everyone, everyone can relate to yeah like in the whole world it's just unfortunately that's the thing everyone has to relate to but it's wild that it that that's how it kind of un you know unfolded yeah um but yeah, yeah it's well and and it was supposed to be like two weeks or something out. Oh, there you go. Oh, Sorry, re- re- repeat that. I said I think it was supposed to be for like two weeks. <laughs> we were supposed to flatten the curve or something. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just to back up here a, a little bit, if you don't mind, like, did uh, Jeff, you or Eric, did either of you come from a musical household at all? Uh, not really. I mean, okay. my uh, my parents, my dad was super into oldies and old country and um or i wouldn't say super into but that's what was around for him um mm-hmm. he used to have these old old uh like remember the old tapes he'd get or cds from like time life or whatever you'd see the the commercial on tv order these and you know for like 49.99 or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he had one of those collections in his car and i would always be like dad let's listen to this and you know, so lots of oldies. Uh, my mom. Wait, were they just, CDs or cassettes? They were cassettes. Yeah, I mean, nice. back in the eighties. But uh, <laughs> my right. my mom was into classical music, so you know there was music on, but it was never really. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had this girlfriend who had these two older kids um, who were really mean, really brutal, and they were they were like into metal and you know, like Iron Maiden and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but I was a little kid, you know, I'm like four or five. And, you know, uh, I remember seeing, um, the cover for, uh, 666 number of the beast oh, just yeah. around the house. And I'm like, Oh, it's really scary. You know? <laughs> and they, they, they'd like terrorize me. And, um, I'm oh, sure geez. some of that stuck with me, but <laughs> forever traumatized <laughs> forever. Yeah. Now I, now I put that on around my kid and he doesn't, he doesn't bat an eye, you know, he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. cool. You that's know. funny um yeah. well what about like did well, did you pick up a guitar or anything early on i mean or bass no i didn't start playing until high school um oh, wow like towards the end of high school even uh just uh you know uh, there was you know nirvana was happening and then um i don't know green day came out i was pretty into green day you know stuff like that was was going on around and so I started to get more into music. Actually, I was I got into Nine Inch Nails right before um, Nirvana came out. I was thinking seventh grade and had like a whole came out, and that really that mm-hmm. really grabbed me. I was like, ooh, that's how I feel, you know. Right. So, um, so I started getting into music around middle school, high school, and uh, you know, um, then I I saw a band and felt compelled to pick up a bass and start a band. So. Um, but yeah, in the know. I mean the genre of music you guys make was that something was there like a scene of people that you kind of associated with like I mean to go from a Nirvana or Nine Inch Nails to like the the music that you guys write and put out is quite a jump you know what I mean yeah. uh, Eric can sp- speak better to that than I can okay <laughs> yeah well so Eric what about you musical household yeah I mean I I always uh, I always give props to my older sister. Because when I was younger, um, like in a playpen, um, I remember my playpen was next to the, we had like this kind of crappy upright piano in the house and my sister took piano lessons. So when I was in the playpen 
she would be practicing piano. So I had okay. this kind of immediate exposure when I was younger um, to, to an actual instrument being played next to me. Um, but a few, a few years later, when I was kind of a, a aware of, of my surroundings, um, again, I always think about the old days with my older sister, you know, having a, a, a slew of, of music comprised of like the cure, the Smiths, in excess, Depeche Mode. Um, you know, she even had a couple Iron Maiden LPs, uh, a Van Halen LP. I remember 5150, I think. Um, but it's funny because she had LPs, but I don't remember her having a record player. I don't know why she, wait, no, my parents had a record player like downstairs, but in her room, she had all these cassettes and like a, a, like a stack of LPs always leaned against the wall. But the one thing that really, I think, opened the door for me as far as what Jeff was alluding to when it came to like what was visceral for him or what he kind of like really resonated with mm -hmm. um, was this this compilation cassette tape that my sister had that I had no idea what was on it. But it was like this weird mix of like, like, uh, like old industrial stuff or like even like, like, like techno stuff paired with with what I think I remember it being kind of like the cramps and like mm -hmm. um, old skate rock stuff. And and just, I, she just had a tape, I think that was given to her by some kids. Cause she went to like an after-school art program uh, outside the city and she was hanging out with all these punk kids. And my sister wasn't really a punk, but I think just her proximity to other kids who were into that, she kind of got a little bit of exposure to it and somehow it kind of bled over to, to me. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I was exposed to skateboarding at an early age and um, that, that paired with the music kind of created this world for me. I was just enamored by um, the music, uh, the, the old videos that I saw when I was a kid, you know, I'd go over a friend's house and they would play like a, a VHS cassette of like the old bones brigade videos. And oh, yeah. it just totally like, like blew my world wide open. Um, so that, alongside you know taking violin lessons when i was in third to like seventh grade and you know until i discovered the drum set in the band room uh <laughs> in school and I, I played for the first time and and when i you know the drum set was just like set up in this band room with no lights on but the kit was there there was a pair of sticks i was after i was at school after school doing um violin rehearsal or, or i was in the school orchestra but when I play the drums, I knew right then and there that I wanted to just do that. So I quit violin the next year and begged my parents to buy me a drum set for two years until they caved in. <laughs> they got me like this really shitty drum set. I was around 12 years old. So I'm fast forwarding a little bit. I finally got this kit. And it's funny because that first drum set was the drum set that I played the first JD songs, you know? So like, wow. So you had it for that long. Wow. Yeah. I had it, I had it, I had it until the very end of um, our first iteration, which was 2001. And it was a really crappy kit, but it sounded pretty okay. You it know, great. And you were yeah. really always very careful and particular with it. So, yeah. So well, I, I mean, I ripped off the laminate off the shells and then I stained it like a green color. Like I, I you know, I actually kind of fucked it up, I think, but <laughs> maybe that's what made it sound okay. I don't yeah, know. unique. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know where it is now, though. I, I left it somewhere i think i think nick our old guitarist um he had a friend where we were storing the kit for like a long time and I, it's probably somewhere in a basement in connecticut i have no idea but oh, that sucks but 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'd even want it anymore, to be honest. Like, Really? Because yeah. I know people that, you know, guitar players will keep the first guitar that they get or whatever. Yeah. But I guess a drum set's a little bit more uh, space that you yeah. need for it. Yeah. Well, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, has his, Jeff has the original bass that um, he played with in, in the early days. Do you yeah. still play it today, Jeff, or not? It's just sitting there dusty. I don't think it works. <laughs> it needs a lot of work, yeah. That's awesome, um, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the guys in Vane, um, a couple of years back, uh, they were like, do you still have that old bass? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you want it? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and they were going to come to my house and pick it up. I would think I was going to be out of town or something, but um, <laughs> it happening, so. <laughs> I think you should hang on to it. I would too. I was gonna say. <laughs> I, think I just don't have anywhere to put it. It's just like there. So, but yeah, <laughs> for nostalgia, re- I'm not a super nostalgic person, but um, but yeah, 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 I still have it. So that's awesome, yeah. though. It's cool to hear Eric. You said that you because I grew up skateboarding in San Diego, and like that was nice. the, how I was, you know, really got into music was those old skate videos, like the yeah, you know, the first toy machine videos. Like that's where I found out about iron maiden to speak to that like jim yeah. thomas skated when iron to hell would be thy name like you know danzig came out of that for me like these bands that i didn't know anything about but i would hear them on the skate video and then i would go watch the credits at the end of the video and then yeah. go and buy the the record or whatever it was but that's really how i totally stumbled into music as well i think that's it's cool yeah. to see that you know that was a cool culture <clears throat> i think i i just think it's cool that they were all kinds of genres were coming out too so yep. it was just like really diverse and interesting and just yeah i mean you say the culture there's a total that total skate culture of the 80s and 90s was just it was really really cool i, well, I skated too i wasn't very good but I, you know i was into it too so yeah yeah and 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 that that's what i think was really special or one of the things that was really special about those those days because you know now that that you have access to everything and anything you could possibly think of via internet mm-hmm. kind of to what you were saying just a little bit earlier about sort of like the the scene that we kind of came up in in connecticut um you know you had to go outside to be, have exposure to something you had to actually right. like go somewhere and see other kids you had to like do things now you could like become an expert on anything by just doing some chat GPT and fucking Google (laughs) or whatever. It's like, it's not the same because, you know, revolving around this conversation with regard to the, the intersect between music, you know, in underground culture at the time, you know, skateboarding was was still like very underground in the nineties, you know? And like, I feel like the, the cross-pollination of music and skateboarding for me and the feeling it gave me, um, it's like irreplaceable. And, and, and when you look back on it, it's extremely formative when you discover a band like Husker Du or Bad Religion or even like, you know, I mean, I, rem- I was familiar with Beastie Boys License to Ill when it came out. I had the cassette tape. But then when Plan B came out with, I think, Questionable Reality and mm-hmm. um, and what was it? Um check your head like there's several songs of check your head that was on that video or in that video rather it's like oh fuck like there's crossover here there's like like these these skaters these 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 you know these kids are like listening to what i'm listening to or they're like listening to things that like i think sound awesome you know and it suddenly kind of creates this this world uh and um you know 
I'm, 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 it's funny that we're talking about this. I'm thinking about um, the, one of the first blind videos. Uh, it's called Video Days. I don't know if you remember that one. It's like Jason Lee, Mark Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Guy, it, guy it just had the, the, had the, the guy with the, the Reaper on the cover, I think was just the cover of it, like in the corner. I think I, I had that VHS tape. Yeah, it's like when when they they're like driving drunk in the fucking Cadillac Cadillac in the beginning of the video. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> you know, you you can like watch this video, and one one guy's part has like a Jackson Five song, and then the mm-hmm. other guy's part has like you know some like jazz number from someone, uh, and then the next part has like uh, you know some punk rock song. So there's like this like real diversity too in terms of the mix of of different music but still kind of associated with skateboarding. So it, I always thought that was kind of cool that at least skateboard culture always, like it was always mixed up, but it it even made like Jackson 5 feel like underground or something. Like it, right, it felt like, yeah. It felt like there was like a special connection knowing that like a Jackson 5 song was being used to a Mark Gonzalez skate part. You know, it's yeah. like, but, but anyway, um, in Connecticut, there was a lot of skaters. There, there was a big graffiti um, scene back then. Um, there was a lot of crossover too between, uh, you know, the hardcore scene, graffiti, skateboarding. It was all kind of happening at once, all together. There was a rave scene that was kind of, you know, left of center of all that that was happening in the mid '90s. And you know, Jeff and I, we became th- friends through 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 the punk scene. Um, and we met at this all ages uh, venue called the Tune-In and a mutual friend of ours introduced us and, you know, long story short said that like, you guys should be in a band together because our friend knew that I played drums and our friend knew that Jeff was trying to start a band. Um, and so we're like, oh yeah, well, you know, how's it going, whatever. And, and then we found ourselves practicing like a, a week or two later, like we didn't really waste that much time and then before we knew it we kind of just had this thing that was ours you know between myself jeff and and nick at the time it was like we were carving out our own space creatively like okay we can get in a room behind our instruments and we can make noise we could we can try and make songs and maybe we could play a show like maybe we could i don't know like like put out a record we just so we just kind of built this thing together and then even though we were individually in the scene for however many years prior, it all started when we kind of created this band for us. Like it really officially started for us, I think, because I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like we had, like we, we created this epicenter to, to work off of. And the epicenter was the band. The epicenter was, was JD. And, um, from that, we kind of carved our own way, uh, not without, you know, it, it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard in the beginning. You know, we were, we always felt like outcasts. We always felt like the underdog. We always felt like we had to really like, like we really wanted to like, like find our place, but it didn't come without resistance or kind of like, just like a, a shrugging off. Like we weren't, we weren't like friends with everyone already. It's almost like we were, we came out of nowhere and people were like, what the fuck is this? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause and, were, were, were there bands in Connecticut that you were seeing that were in kind of your same realm, like more of that, just like really heavy, fast music. I think, I think it was less heavy and fast and more like traditional 
like, I guess you would call it just emo. Like, like Connecticut had a really, really heavy, like, like um, emphasis on youth crew and like mm. metal core. Cause it was sandwiched between New York and Boston. So you'd have bands like overcast from Boston or from Massachusetts area. And then you would have bands, you know, like fucking Madball and 25 to life and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sick of it all, which is a great band, but, but Connecticut almost got like this weird crossover of those subgenres of punk or hardcore. But then there was like this off offshoot of these other bands like I remember, and Jeff, you can chime in, of course. Like I'm thinking of like the Willamantic scene, like like bands like 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 in vain, in vain. Yeah. cable. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, another band called Cable, um, who ended up signing to Hydrahead at some point, but they again were like this, you know, very little known band that was doing something different. And I think Jeff and I, like sonically, like like our sonic aesthetics were really aligned in terms of what we kind of were seeking, you know, like everyone knew about the sonic youths of the world or like mm -hmm. the, you know, but we were like wanting to, we wanted to go deeper back then, you know, it's like, we knew that like hate breed was, was kind of like blazing their path in as Connecticut hardcore, like hate breed at the time was like the biggest band from Connecticut or in, in like getting big, you know, getting popular beyond Connecticut. But there was all of these smaller bands that never got the shine you know they kind of toured locally or like the tri-state area but they never like went beyond that so there's a lot of there's a lot of stories and there's a lot of history in connecticut as far as underground music and i think jd was almost in the middle of these different worlds and then we kind of created our own with an indirect influence from all of them mm -hmm. and um I think JD hasn't always been, well, maybe we, we've, there's, I would say less so heavy, but more so in, like, like there's an intensity and intention to what we make, you know, yeah, and no, how we write sure. and, 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 and how we express it. Cause it, it, it really comes from an expressive standpoint. Um, and I think, um, yeah, it just became its own thing. And then there were bands in the area that we, uh, came acquainted with or became acquainted with, um, you know, Orchid shared a couple members from Connecticut, but they were kind of Massachusetts based. Um, there were bands like, um, you know, Tipping Canoe, who who we weren't like really acquainted with, but they were in the circle of of another Massachusetts band. Um, there was a band called Justa 14, who Jamie Shanahan from Hatebreed first started when he was a kid. Wow. And and Justa 14, when Jamie left and did his thing with Hatebreed, Justa 14 kind of did a similar thing where they they took a huge pivot as far as their their sonic palette. Like it, it changed, you know, they kind of went more into that like melodic kind of like emo route. And um, you know, uh, a, a lot of bands were doing that. What about but bands? What about like Converge? Were they a band that you guys would let's see? I mean, yeah. they're like a Massachusetts band that had yep, has yep. some, you know, yeah, in that I mean, same vein, I would imagine, because they came we, around. They were around in their nineties as well, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, we played with Converge when we were a younger band, and it was like the biggest thing. Like, oh my god, we're playing with Converge and ISIS. Like, holy oh, wow. shit! It was, oh, it so was they were like massive at that. They were that. They were 
pretty big. See, I I remember seeing yeah. them like in '99 or something, and they had yeah, they people were there, and it was a sold out show in San Diego. But it, mind you, it was at the Che, which is probably like a hundred oh, nice. people. But yeah, still for a band from Boston to come and sell that out, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Converge was I always see converge as like you know one of the bigger bands i mean they've always been out the gates they've always been like a badass band Mm -hmm. you know like just just yeah one of the best and um you know i mean yeah uh, we can talk about it forever how many bands um sure but but there was something happening obviously in connecticut and you guys were obviously a part of that that scene yeah i was just kind of ignorant to it all i know that yeah obviously the east coast bred so many and does so so much of that music and that genre and being on the west coast i mean we had like the locust and maybe i'm trying to think of anyone else like really at that time oh yeah like at the time like it was there wasn't a whole there wasn't that big of a scene coming through i felt like sure well also unbroken right were you familiar with unbroken back in the day no yeah, another hardcore band um, from San Diego. Um, I think they were a little bit earlier than okay. I think, you know. Early might 90s, have been a little too young. I was Swing Kids era. Yeah, yeah, Swing Kids. Okay, that was a little bit before me. I'm thinking like maybe Cattle Decapitation was around that time. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. Think. <laughs> I do want to say I I do want to make the point though that um, while all these things were happening around us, there was not really a, a similarity for us we were sort of out in our own land yeah pulling influences indirectly from things but you know there was never like a like a band that we could really attach to at least in connecticut um eric did say you know uh, orchid or whatever you know i guess connecticut's a small place but um you know we were we were always just sort of on our own in our own place yeah, and you can when, hear that in the out. I mean, in your songs versus if you were, you know, it's not. Yeah, you don't sound like those bands. I was just kind of thinking in that mindset of like similarity in a sense of like yeah. maybe the same kids or if there was parties or shows that you would play that would be yeah, similar I mean, the, genre. There, there. I think back then there was there was um, things were less compartmentalized in like genres. Like like right. You know, there there weren't bills that were just metal bills or you know like a heavy a heavy band would be playing with with like you know an acoustic like an acoustic player with like a drum machine or something you know or or a lot of a lot of the shows at the tune in which was the the all ages um DIY venue in in New Haven Connecticut i mean there'd be shows where like you know there'd be like a fucking ska band playing with a hardcore band or a youth crew band. Like it was all mixed up. There'd be, or it's just like, there is more diversity in the actual bills and things mm-hmm. were less like, like segmented as like, okay, this is a, a, you know, a youth crew show, or this is a metal core show, or this is a, this and that. It's like, there was so much more diversity and it was more celebrated, I think, you know? Yeah. And I like that, I, I, I feel like that is a, little, a lost um, thing. No. Yeah. And and we've always been a band to celebrate that diversity. So even when we were kind of up and running eventually and we were touring everywhere and we were super active, we were really deliberate in like wanting to share bills with different types of bands. Like we all felt that everyone was punk 
or everyone was underground, but you know, JD would, would play with bands like braid, you know, oh, or, we yeah. would, or we would share a bill with a band like Rye coalition or Paul Newman, or a lot of these bands that aren't necessarily in our circles, but we were brushing elbows with them back then. And for us as kids, we thought it was cool because, you know, again, to what Jeff was saying, like, our exposure to these types of bands, especially like a lot of West Coast, you know, San Diego hardcore, just 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 California hardcore in general, um, bands like Honeywell, Angel Hair, Gorges mm-hmm. of Past, um, you know, Swing Kids. Uh, we were obviously very familiar with Locust at the time because they were super active when we were playing. Um, you know, Jeff was buying all of these records from these bands. And if we weren't playing or rehearsing, we were listening to records quite literally, like we would sit in Jeff's room um, and like put records on and just sit there and listen to shit on repeat. You know, like I can't, awesome. I can't tell you how many times we've listened to like uh, two records stand out right now. Of course, the portraits of past LP. And then Jeff, remember, um, you know, piebald when life hands you lemons. Oh, I love that record. <laughs> Great record. That's oh, so funny. I, I have a, that... I have a piebald album on my, I've had Travis on my show before. Oh, oh cool. cool. Yeah. Oh, I, have, well, like, I mean, props to him, you know, because piebald back then was also a band, you know, we, we listened to it and it's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, this guy's kind of singing and it's like, it's, it's like poppy and it's, it's melodic, but it's still underground. It's like, this is cool. You know? And like, <laughs> at the time we, we couldn't even do that. If like, you, you like, I don't know, held a gun to our head. Like we didn't know what we were doing. Like we couldn't play our instruments, you know? And maybe that's why it was just noisy and feedbacky. And like, we were like, I don't know, like we're just trying to, trying to figure it out. I mean, I think a lot of bands, especially when you start off younger, you're just trying to figure it out, you know? Uh-huh. You but yeah. but Piebald was, I mean, again, Piebald was kind of in the same camp as like Converge and Caven, you know, like another Massachusetts band. Oh yeah. Caven so, was great. Or- they were i mean there must have been something in the water uh because massachusetts when i think about it now has like spawned some pretty uh, impressive bands who are still like out there in the conversation you know mm-hmm. case in point piebald convert yeah, you know, yeah like, exactly so that, yeah that's awesome that you listen to the piebald record that's just so funny i'm looking at it like right here <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and he wrote i'm part of it <laughs> um, but so okay you know you guys t- you went on the band basically what you guys you know called it right you was a breakup or a hiatus like and then you obviously come back in 2017 2018 it was and- uh I mean, Jeff, why don't you uh, lay out the scene? <laughs> uh, we're playing a show in, I think, New Jersey. And, you know, with, just the another, with the assistant. Yep. It was another weekend. We were playing there. And then the next day we were going to play or two days later, we we're going to play in Boston at the Middle East. Um, with World Inferno Friendship Society. Yep. And yeah. Arcaro, which is a friend of mine, Joe Grimm's band. Um yeah. And uh, Eric just stands up. He, Eric would usually address the audience um, during each show. And he stands up and he's like, yeah, I just want to say this is our second to last show ever <laughs> with no, no, uh, no discussion with Nick and I. And we were just Nick and I just like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was it bad. Was, it was it was it, it made was for a, an interesting ride home, I think. Um 
<laughs> yeah, it was and, bad. Uh, it was bad. Yeah, it was it was not not great. And I was I was really mad at Eric for a couple of years. Um, yeah, you know, I felt like I had the rug ripped out from under me because all this was all I had was this band. Um, you know, and uh, I put I put everything into it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was an interesting time because uh, I think just as young kids, I mean, obviously, I would I would I would never do that anyone now like that's such a that's such a slap across the face it's just like it's just not the way you do it but i think back then i i was definitely in a different frame of mind you know i was just a fucking angry kid who was bitter and um i don't know for some reason i thought that was what that was what to do like that's uh you know we've always as a band we've always kind of pushed the buttons but i think as an individual i was always someone who just like wore the chip on on my shoulder a little bit more visible than i probably should have and and i and then it it came to the point where i actually just you know i mean i basically just cut the cord from the thing that we were all collectively working and living and breathing for you know those short few years but they were what some of the most formative and intense years of our lives making this music making those records playing those shows in basements across the country and fucking vfw halls and um it was some of the best times of our lives and then one day i decided to just be like yeah this is it and that was obviously such a slap across the face to jeff and nick but for some reason in my my frame of mind i just didn't you know, it was really selfish of me. And, you know, um, I think like, you know, when you're playing this type of music or when you're playing any kind of music that actually just means fucking like the world to you and this band means the world to us. Um, when we were younger and we were in it, like just fucking completely immersed in it. Um, you know, when you're young and, and you, you are growing up, you are changing, you know, when you're 19 or 20 years old, you're, 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 you're experiencing all of these different feelings and you're experiencing change within yourself. And, um, for some reason, again, I handled it in a very like inelegant way, um, <laughs> very, very like unprofessional, but, um, there was something in me where I'm like, ah, you know, like I just, I got to, I just got to stop. I have to fucking stop. I have to get away from this. And like, I kind of just left punk altogether. Like I just, I just peaced out, you know, I, I like eventually moved to New York. I went to school. I had a completely different life for 15 years, like living in New York. Um, didn't think about really punk at all. Like occasionally I would dip into it and kind of see what was going on or, but I didn't really have any involvement and I didn't really keep in touch with anyone that I had made friends with during that, those years. And, um, you know, but the fast forward to, to kind of the return of it, you know, when, when myself, Jeff and Nick, we, we spoke on the phone for the first time in 2017, cause it kind of marked the 20 years that we had started this thing. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's find Nick, let's get on the phone and let's, let's just reminisce about those days. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then, you know, the idea of getting in a room together came up and like playing music again. And um, it was then when I realized like, Oh, I, I, I need to have this back in my life. And I can tell that it, it, that was the same for Jeff and Nick. So we kind of just manifested this whole thing of like returning. Uh, we had, we had no idea it was going to become sort of what it became. 
Um, but at the time it's like, yeah, let's fucking make it happen. Let's, let's tap back into this thing and see what happens. And, um, and we did and things happened like bigger and better than we could have expected. But then a pandemic happened right. and we're like, okay. And then, so <laughs> kind of what we were saying earlier, we kind of got back to base during the pandemic and we just, um, we just, we, we started it back up and then we found ourselves in this rhythm again. And we found ourselves in this really like, you know, rich creative headspace. And so we stuck with it. We were in the rehearsal space, you know, once a week, twice a week, sometimes every fucking week for months, it, like over a year, we were doing that. That was the thing that we just returned to um, me, Jeff and Sean. Mm -hmm. um, Sean joined the band at, uh, during the early days of the pandemic because he was actually we originally invited sean to play with us to be second guitarist to, to accompany nick okay that was the intention but because the three of us are here in san francisco and nick is in connecticut i think there were just challenges that revealed themselves that just made it so difficult um to make it work as a four-piece mm -hmm. and you know, the band just had, it has its own inertia basically. And so we, the three of us, Sean, myself, and Jeff just kept going and it, it evolved. And so here we are, and this is the, this is the new chapter of the band. And it's weird because it feels like a new band, even though it's been a band for a long time, but this is like a, a reset. This is a you know, we're at the starting line now and it's crazy to think that, but that's what this new record became for us. It's like the starting line. It's like the, the new chapter basically. So it's, it's, it would take hours to kind of walk through all the history and the stories and the, the, the things. Um, but when you look back at how much history this band is sort of attached to and all the other bands that we are associated with, when you fast forward to now, it's like, fuck, like we're about to embark on this whole other thing yeah, at an entirely different capacity. And it's like, that's, that's wild to us because we still feel like the fucking underdogs. We still <laughs> feel like the kids that like have that chip on their shoulder. It's like, no, we're here too. Like we, we could fucking play like, right. You know. Yeah. And uh, while Eric's saying all this, it's reminding me that an idea I have about this band is it, 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 it's its own independent being it it uses us to do what it needs to do you know we're we're not the band the band is it it it, it uses us you know mm -hmm. it's its own living breathing thing and that's really important um when you listen to it to hear that you know i'm my own person eric's his own person but then we get into a room and then the then the band happens and um so yeah yeah with this album, I mean, you guys, you know, put out the LP and then you did some touring and then all that was kind of taken away. And then it was like a yeah. reset for this album. Did you go into like the songwriting or the lyrics or anything? Was it a totally different headspace approaching this record than even the LP? And I'm sure, you know, 18 years before that, different than that record. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in, in what way? Like, I mean, obviously... I guess that wasn't a very good question. <laughs> I meant like, uh, you know, when it when it came to, was it more 
I guess what were you what were you kind of pulling from? Is it the same strings that you would just when you were younger, or from that, or did you go in a different direction at all? Well, I mean, from the the place inside me, um, you know, I'm still tapping into things that I've carried since childhood. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just have a different perspective on things now. You know, I'm a parent now and okay. had a lot of life experience and um you know a lot of challenges through the years um and so i'm tapping into a lot of that um but also it's it's interesting because when i was young everything felt so hopeless um and in today's world it seems like it should feel hopeless and maybe because i'm you know, I look at my son and I, I see things through uh, that kid lens again. Um, there is a sort of hopefulness, um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, so I, I, like the, the darkness of, of my life is melding with the hopefulness that I have for my son and other young people and not just little kids, but you know, uh, teenagers and 20 somethings and just all of us really, I'm, I'm trying to approach things from that, that hopefulness while still having that, that darkness and seeing that try sort of, um, you know, in the periphery of life that people, you know, they're trying to keep it at bay, trying to just live their day to day. Um, that's sort of the headspace that I was in, at least lyrically, um, yeah. writing this record. Uh, and Eric to find, is, sorry, I was going to say, just to find joy kind of in the today's, you know, it's not like the world has gotten any better since, you know, when, when you were writing those original records or even in 2019. So it's like, yeah. it's interesting that you're, yeah, you know, kind of finding that joy or just a balance, I guess, in, in and this, it, this album. Well, it also could be just the fact that we're able to do it again. You know, I mean, true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I, you know, like we were talking about earlier when I when I said that it felt like I had the rug ripped out from under me. You know, this was the only thing I really ever had. This is the best thing of my life. You know, I, I've got my son and my wife, and that that's that's something else. But um, as far as just everything else about my life, you know, this is the thing that has been what you know gets me out of bed every day and makes me feel good and like i'm a, a whole person you know and um yeah so th- there's there's that you know just being able to come back to it so um it, not taking it for granted um i think that that's part of it too so yeah yeah i think um <clears throat> my 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 view of how this record came about and how these songs were assembled and all that. It was a thing where, you know, we did make this during the pandemic. We, we, we were in isolation. Everyone was. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was the one thing that we had to look forward to every week, as far as what would satiate our creative needs. And um, it was just so nice to get in a room with, with Jeff and Sean and to like, you know, like have our time together as friends, but then also be completely aligned from a creative standpoint. And just, we just ended up making, you know, we would 
be in our rehearsal space. We would like hang out and like chat for, for a bit. And then we would just start working on something and that thing would become, you know, an idea or a couple of parts working off of each other. And then suddenly another part would be introduced and, you know, we would, we would find ourselves creating songs that were really like, kind of like happening, you know, they weren't just like ideas. It's like, Oh, we're, we're, we're actually assembling songs here. This is becoming like, we're, Oh, I think we're making a record. Like, you know, we didn't really like say, okay, we're going to get in the rehearsal space and we're going to write a record. It just happened. And we found ourselves in this consistent rhythm that led us to that. And I think you can't help, but be affected by the circumstances of isolation. Mm-hmm. You can't help, but be affected by the circumstances of life being completely disrupted can't help but be influenced by the ambiguity of the world. And this was all kind of fused into this music. And I think from a musical standpoint, in addition to, you know, Jeff's um, lyrical content, I think this record, the songs, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, this is probably one of the heaviest records we've made hundred percent, you know, and it's not like, oh, heavy breakdown, like, like mosh heavy. It's, it's like heavy, you know, it just, it, 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 there's a heaviness to it. There is um, a very real intention to every single aspect of these songs. Um, but in a weird way to, to what Jeff's saying about the idea of hope is I think it, there's glimmers of it throughout the, 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 the record. And I think that's reflective of us actually being able to make this thing you know it's it's like it's heavy it's angry it's sad it's confused it's 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 it embodies all of these feelings that i think most of us have been having these past few years but it's also like well fuck yeah we're but we're doing it and we're making something happen and um when we kind of assembled the group of songs and we listened to it you know from start to finish it's like, wow, this is a really angry record. But at the same time, there, there's like joy in, in the chaos that we've created. It's like, we've created chaos within the chaos. And the nice thing about it is that this is our chaos and it's really nice to be in it. Um, it's like, it's like healthy chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, I think all of the hard work and the suffering, you know, night after night, you know, hour after hour of just unrelenting, you know, writing and rehearsing and, preparation to actually record this thing um yeah there it it really just captured the moment you know and that's what i'm really grateful for is that we were able to make something that we're super proud of like i'm i'm personally like the most proud of this thing than anything else we've ever done as a band and i think it's because of the cohesion that we felt ourselves falling within because it's the first time in over 18 years that we were in proximity to each other for once, you know, like we were actually in the same city and we're, we were able to rehearse consistently and um, it just, it just captured that. It's like everyone was in isolation, but we were still able to, to come together and make this thing. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's wild that we pulled it off, but we, we did. And 
here we are. And, you know, we, we, we're privileged to like talk to people like you and, and be able to just share it and have you like, you know, ask a couple of questions about it. It's like, for me, that's wild and that's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, well, I'm excited yeah. to, to hear the rest of the record. I've, I've, I think you've put out like three or four songs, I believe. From yeah, from three th- three songs, but we released um, the fourth video uh, of the first single that we released, which is called "Stretched Invisible" from London. Um, mm-hmm. We actually like shot a, a proper video for it with our friend Evan Henkel, who is also in Loma Prieta, but he's also a, a sick filmmaker. And you know, that was a- another example of just people rallying and. Um, making making it happen you know for the sake of making it happen for for uh creative sake you know it wasn't like a a a big budget video at all but Mm -hmm. we all came together to make something that we were super proud of and he he rallied a a small crew who was down to just make it happen and we we made something together and you know so yeah you should check that check that video out it just came out yesterday right oh yeah yeah i i i I think they, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to see it, but I, I yeah. think uh, Shane said something about it. You guys oh, cool. have a video yeah. coming out, but I, I thought it was coming out today or later today. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'll check it out after this. Yeah, call. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome that you, you know, it's totally, I'm sure, a different approach as far as everything goes. Just, you know, looking back 18 years to how music is coming out now, with you know having to do all the social media and the videos and everything has to be, you know, <laughs> so I don't know, it's just an interesting. I bet it for you guys having to kind of adapt to that with, you know, this new music, it, it, it's quite, it is a bit different than just putting the record out, touring it, putting the record out. Yeah. And we didn't even do that when we were kids, you know, we, we would put out a record and then we'd be on to like new music. Like we were never, we never had a record cycle, you know? Okay. Like we would have never had the old songs. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, This is the first time that the band is actually aligned with what we're going to be touring and what we're putting out. Like what a concept, you know? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it only took 20 years, but here we are. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you guys. You guys are playing at a club I've never been to here. I've only been here for two years, but uh, I think it's dark. You're playing Dark Matter in, in Nashville, but I, I've never been there. So I'm excited to come uh, check nice. you all out there. Yeah, um, it'll be super and, fun. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. This has been such a blast of, you know, getting to know you guys and, and hearing your story and I'm stoked on the new record and it's awesome that you're back together and doing this so yeah thank you. thanks thanks for having us yeah i have one more Take quick question before i let you guys go though Absolutely. i want to know if i can get an answer from both of you if you have any advice for aspiring artists mm. uh, don't quit ever just keep doing it just even if you don't think it's the right thing if it's if it's giving you something some kind of purpose just keep doing it and eventually you're going to find yourself being like, yes, this is the right thing that I need to be doing. And that's the best kind of art is the art that is true to the, to you. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if anybody else connects to it. It's what, what matters to you. And that is what makes the world a better place and makes the art very rich. Yeah. I but, think, I, th- I think that's, uh, that's very much it because, you know, we do get a lot of DMS or messages of like, Oh, what microphone does Jeff use? Or how does, how does Jeff scream that way? Or what symbols do you use? Or what guitar pedals does Sean play with? It's like, you can ask all of these questions, but that's not going to get you to where you, you think you're going to go. Like, like 
you have to figure out your own voice by doing it yourself. You have to put in the fucking hours, put in the days, put in the months, put in the years. But to Jeff's point, you, you, you gotta do it because you feel like you have to do it. You know, look, look for inspiration, of course, everywhere, absorb your surroundings, but you have to make sure that you're connected with your own creative impulse or impulses. It's like, if, if you go, if you look outward for the, 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 the thing that kind of jumpstarts the, the doing, you can probably create something, but it might be missing that real depth that um, I think, you know, anything worth listening to has um, or worth experiencing in terms of art or any creativity. It's like, just do it for you and don't put so much value on what other people think, even though it's really nice to have validation, of course, like, you know, we, we're all, we're human. So of course we make something, we want to get a response and ideally a favorable one from people from the thing you make, but that comes after, you know, it's like we put it, we made this record and we you know no one has heard the, heard it in its entirety yet. But as far as I'm concerned, people could shit on it or like give it a bad review. And I, I might, I might be like a little bit hurt by it just because, but I'll get over it in a couple seconds because at the end of the day, I know that we couldn't have done any better or any more like, we couldn't have approached it any more authentically. And so any aspiring musicians or creatives or artists or whatever, just do you and know that the process itself, as cliche as it sounds, that's, that's where it's at. It's, it's loving the process, loving the grind, loving the suffering and everything else, you know, all the podcasts and the press and the shows and the records and the, you know, the hanging out with people all over the place. Those are really cool things and just a part of it, but that will all come. Just create your foundation and, um, and believe in it and know that if you're staying true to your creative impulses and tendencies, you'll, you'll be just fine. That's where the success really is. And that's it. <laughs>